Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Hi there and welcome to The Athletic Football Podcast. This is the weekend preview and it is match day 11 in the Premier League. So welcome along. Many thanks to Tim Spears for standing in on last week's show. I listened to that during my break whilst I was off. And two things I just wanted to quickly point out. Uh, One was congratulations to Ruben Pinder. 3-0 prediction on the Manchester derby. He was bang on. The second thing I just wanted to just flag, it was suggested by Tim that I spent my entire break watching episodes of The Repair Shop. And I feel like we need to have a bit of a repair shop amnesty. Um, We need to stop talking about it. And I also need to confess to the fact that it isn't something that I watch. So I just wanted to just try and just try and leave it, leave it alone. Um, Let me introduce my guests on this week's show. It is a warm welcome back to the big smoke to Jacob Whitehead, who's been up in Newcastle, but you're now back in London and first time on the show. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. I sort of feel a bit like a travelling footballer who's been sent on loan for six months back to make their debut for kind of a full side. Um, yeah. So yeah, big day for me, big day. Well, you've done some great work up in the northeast, and now you can come back and, you know, set the uh, set the, the capital alight with your work. It's fantastic. We'll reveal how little of kind of a wider Premier League I've actually managed to follow <laughs> since covering Newcastle. So yeah, exactly. there's a few things which I am still lost on. So we'll hope. Yes, we will be talking about Newcastle. Luke Bosher is back in back definitely back in hipster corner this is an audio experience for everyone watching but boy oh boy you have a snazzy sweater on it's green it's yellow it's got basketball written on it and you look a million bucks Bosch how are you I'm very well Adam I I don't think I could ask for a a warmer introduction uh delighted to be sitting alongside Jacob who makes me feel like a relative podcast veteran yes uh, of the athletic studio but uh excited Speaking of podcast veterans, it's Nick Miller. You've come back. How yeah. are you? Where, where, the, where the bloody hell have you been? Uh, I don't know. Have I been away for long? Feels um, like it. Well, that's just because of our deep relationship. You know, even a small amount of time away make, feels like a lifetime. It is. Mm. You are my sidekick, aren't you, after all? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. This again. <laughs> no, that can also go in the amnesty. Uh, with Repair Shop. Right, let's get stuck in. It's your fixture formation. 7-2-1 from Saturday to Monday. Saturday's early kickoff is Fulham 14th. One win in five against the crisis club, Manchester United. Eighth back-to-back defeats. Eric Ten Hag under huge amount of pressure. That's at 12.30. Five Saturday, 3 p.m.s. It's 10th against 9th. Brentford against West Ham. Uh, Manchester City 
in third against Bournemouth in 17th. They do have a win now, Bournemouth, so well done to them. Bottom with only one point, Sheffield United, they take on 12th place Wolves, unbeaten in five for Gary O'Neill, going along great guns now. Uh, 19th place Burnley, eight defeats out of nine. They take on Crystal Palace, who can't score. Uh, 15th in the table, Everton on a bit of a quirky run at the moment. They've lost one, lost one, lost and won. So they are due to lose against 7th place Brighton. The Saturday evening kickoff, which we'll talk about in a moment's time. Newcastle in 6th up against 2nd place Arsenal. And then two games on Sunday. It is 16th place Nottingham Forest. No win in 6 against 5th place Villa. And it is 18th place Luton Town against 4th place Liverpool. We'll talk about that one a little bit later. That's your 4.30 on Sunday. And then finally, cracking game on your Monday night football. It is Tottenham top of the lot against 11th place Chelsea. Poch going back to Tottenham. Let's start, though, on Tyneside. So, Newcastle against Arsenal is the late kickoff on Saturday and two teams with contrasting emotions from their Carabao Cup exploits. Uh, Jacob, let's come to you first. As we've mentioned, you've been covering Newcastle so far this season. A bit of an injury crisis for them at the moment. But I suppose that the game against Manchester United, that 3-0 win in the Carabao Cup, it showed that there is there is great depth. There are players that, that want to come in and, and prove a point. It seems to be a very sort of um, cohesive ship at the moment under Eddie Howe. Yeah, it was remarkable against Manchester United because when he named that 11, it was almost as if Howe had been given a challenge to name the weakest 11 he could out of a first-team squad. Like He picked six full-backs in the starting 11. They had a starting centre-back combination of Paul Dummett and Emil Kraft who have made a combined one start between them in 18 months. That pair sort of manages to empty Old Trafford by 70 minutes. It was absolutely remarkable and does kind of show the spirit they've got in this squad because... Injuries are starting to take a toll. They added a bit of depth, but all of those pieces they signed in the summer are out for one reason or another, whether it's because of injury, like Harvey Barnes, or because of suspension, like Tenali. Through it all, they've sort of managed to keep going, a couple of kind of awkward tools in the league. But the Arsenal game is kind of a real test of their mettle, like the first choice 11, which they have going against Arsenal. In terms of Tenali, who you obviously mentioned, you know, he's banned long-term, it's going to be the third game without him. Obviously, he's not started his last four. Uh, for people that haven't been sort of dialed into exactly how they've they've remedied the, the situation, who has been playing instead and what is the, the plan long-term? Yes, it's been really weird because Tonali, after six minutes, scored on his debut, looked a million bucks and then really struggled to kind of Listen, not listen to instructions, but to kind of execute for quite complex midfield demands, which Hal puts on him. And so that meant that in the first international break, Tonali dropped out the side. Sean Longstaff, who was one of the stars last season coming back into the side, took his place as number eight. So we've got a midfield trio of Bruno Guimaraes in the number six role and then Jalinton and Sean Longstaff playing ahead of him. And that's just kind of settled it a lot more with the balance. Tonali's come on and made some cameos, but that's just kind of been the settled trio. The danger is, is that after that trio, they don't really have any depth at all. This is going to be the second game in a run of four matches in 11 days. And asking the same trio to kind of play all of those games, Guimaraes came on quite early against uh, Manu last night. That's kind of the real test. 
but it was a cakewalk against Manchester United anyway, so it doesn't really it didn't really stretch them too much. Just a quick word on that game, Nick. You know when things are bad, when you can actually see that the writing on the seats, <laughs> which and I mean as Jacob mentioned, they cleared cleared the ground pretty much from around about seventy minutes onwards. But I mean, we'll talk a bit bit more about Man United later, but that picture just spoke a thousand words, didn't it? Yeah, and I mean you, you could pick many things to sort of sum up the malaise of Manchester United, but um, that third goal that Joe Willock scored, which is you know great run, really excellent finish, but it was like they had almost cleared a path, which you know I think fans can cope with teams playing badly and losing, but um, that sort of thing was just embarrassing. And also, it's kind of slightly similar to one of the goals they conceded against Man City. When you know, uh, I forget who it was, was allowed to just kind of wander through, have a shot, which was the, and then it was saved, and they uh, scored the rebound. Uh, a, a sorry state of affairs, uh, Manchester United. Um, we've been sidetracked just by sort of moth to a flame to a crisis, talking about Manchester United. But let's get back on track with Newcastle against Arsenal. And Luke, this this feels like a, a real litmus test for Arsenal because it's the first time that they've had an away game against a side in the top six and the as we mentioned you know the mood after the after midweek feels very different around those two sides yeah but I don't think Arsenal will be too disheartened after that result obviously 3-1 at West Ham it's not a great yeah it's, it's a pretty poor result but I think Arsenal have you know they've already played a lot of tough games this season you know we've just spoken about United but Arsenal have beaten Man United this season They've That's not that doesn't mean anything. Does it? <laughs> I mean it means a bit. It means a bit. This was this was United early it's just September. Game it was it was pre-crisis, I think. Okay, it fair was enough. Pre-crisis. Fair enough. Okay. Um they've beat they've drawn with Tottenham. Uh they beat Manchester City. I mean that was a fantastic result. The biggest game of the season and they won it. Uh they drew with Chelsea. They struggled against Chelsea and for me that was that was one of those games that was a mark of like a team that is very together and is very confident in itself because I was watching that 2-2 and Arsenal were 2-0 down but they didn't panic it didn't feel like they were out of the game and you know the the two goals that they got you could argue both were sort of fortunate in their own right but especially the um, Declan Rice goal but the point is Arsenal was still there and I think Mikel Arteta will take great heart from that kind of result and I think Arsenal will return to more of the form that we've been accustomed to over the kind of past 12 to 18 months uh, against Newcastle. I think this is also a test of a specific fixture which Arsenal have already overcome. There's that really famous loss at the end of the 21-22 season where Arsenal were pushing for the top four at St James's Park where sort of Newcastle revealed the team they could be. It was immortalised in the All or Nothing documentary, sort of Arteta's anger. And at the end of last season, Arsenal visited, still kind of chasing the league at that point, with Newcastle pushing for the top four. And the expectation was that the atmosphere at St James's Park and the intensity of Newcastle could lead to a similar result. But Arsenal really actually was stood up and counted. They kind of took Newcastle on directly at their own game. They kind of went into the dark arts and managed to sort of really shut up St James's Park. um, And they won that game. And so... It's a very similar trip now, but in a way, it's a test they've already passed. They've kind of already exercised some of their demons from this particular match. And Arsenal, in particular against Newcastle, have a, a very good record as well. So they can rely on that, however much past records actually mean anything. Um, in terms of the styles of the, the two sides, Jacob, I'll ask you about Newcastle in a moment. But 
are we are we sensing a difference in this Arsenal side? Obviously, against West Ham, we saw with you know Declan Rice dropping out, Saliba dropping out. They that spine was a little bit more shaky, or or it was non-existent. Do you think that they have they've hardened up? They've changed what they're all about this season. Um, maybe a little bit, but they they definitely seem more solid, which I think is is probably just it's another year of uh, Saliba and. Um, Gabriel playing together, it's that having Declan Rice in front of them, um, who's kind of an upgrade on uh, Thomas Partey and uh, Jorginho. You, you kind of compare them to how they were at this stage last season, when they were sort of completely rampant, everyone was having a, an absolutely wonderful time. Um, and they looked, I was sort of still pretty convinced they were going to win the league until quite sort of late on in, in in the season. But you you wonder whether you could I suppose you could look at that one of two ways. It could either be you could either say, well, they're not as good as last season or you could think of it as they're they're just sort of maybe pacing themselves a little bit more. Hmm. A couple of those those games that they've won so far, they've won quite late, um, Manchester United and, and Manchester City. You you wonder whether they are just a little bit, I don't know, smarter about things. Um, maybe that's complete nonsense and they are just a bit more rubbish but you know well, I'm looking at the positives Adam. yeah quite have, have Newcastle changed particularly this season from what they what they were doing last season I mean they've basically got the same 11 as last season as this season with all of the injuries and absences they have but you know there has been this change they're scoring a lot more from like last season having one of the best defences which has maybe been harmed a bit by the absence of Sven Botman uh, for the last month or so and he's expected I mean his return isn't imminent at all um, and then just scoring wise it was absolutely fired by their 8-0 demolition of Sheffield United uh, a couple of months ago now it is Sheffield United but it did kind of spark something in Isaac and Wilson they've got two strikers who are absolutely you know banging form I think Nick actually spoke about kind of Alexander Isaac being the least important of the most important players kind of in that He's clearly a brilliant player, but take him out of the team and Newcastle don't really drop off. Added into the form of Anthony Gordon, who, having not really played a part last season, is arguably Newcastle's player of the season this year. And you've got this team who have actually kind of really added this kind of multifaceted approach to their play. Before they only progressed the ball through the right wing and then swung it in through Trippier or Guimaraes. Now they're actually creating on the left through Gordon and centrally through kind of Isaac or Wilson dropping deeper to link play. Yeah, and they, it's interesting you mentioned Gordon. Obviously, you know we saw him perform really well for for Everton, your team, the team that you support. Um, we we like to out people here. Yeah, by yeah. the way, that's that, that's okay. That's fine. That is fine. I mean, normally when I'm on Podham Tyne, I'm having to be the anti Newcastle voice. Whereas here, I suddenly feel like I've been transplanted. Yeah. To kind of be this Newcastle apologist, it's a completely new role for me here. <laughs> no, it's good. I like it. Um, I did notice you were wearing green and white. I did wonder what that was for. <laughs> Um, in terms of, you know, you mentioned strikers there. Callum Wilson, obviously, in great form. Three in his last four. Um, it's interesting, you look at this fixture, maybe one of the subplots is sort of like the, the backup striker for, for England. Eddie Nketiah scored a great hat-trick against Sheffield United. Um, but no goals in 10 games prior to that. In terms of their standing, do you think Eddie Nketiah still has quite a long way to go to even sort of be competing with Callum Wilson in that conversation of you know being on the plane to Germany etc well as Jacob said I think when it's Sheffield United you almost have to caveat it with but it was against Sheffield United and I think you know in that defeat last night Eddie Nketiah played 80 minutes and didn't play well 
uh, before getting hooked. And it wouldn't surprise me if Mikel Arteta did not start him uh, against Newcastle just to not for the sake of mixing it up but I don't think he would have been happy with how Nketiah performed albeit with you know without you know other first choice players around him and I think there's a chance that Kai Havertz maybe starts in the number nine role a position he played quite a lot at Chelsea or even someone like Leandro Trossard who when Gabriel Jesus was out last season played there a little bit and combined quite well with Bukayo Saka on the right and Gabriel Martinelli on the left because he offers a little bit more link play you know, I'm not saying that Nketi is you know, a bad technical footballer, but you know, Trossard has the ability to kind of drop in a little bit more and kind of move around. But in terms of England, going back to your point, Adam, I do think Wilson, when fit, is almost a lock uh, behind Harry Kane. It'll be interesting when Ivan Tony returns um, from his ban in January, whether he can get enough games and goals together for Brentford or for whoever else uh, to make his case. We have to just say maybe just in defence of Nketiah, there is, what, seven years um, between Nketiah and Callum Wilson. So, yeah, you're maybe sort of erring towards the experience and a stronger body of work. And, a little bit, yeah. yeah. But if you look at their sort of careers at top level, it's broadly similar. Wilson's come up from, you know, playing in the Championship, League One to Premier League with Bournemouth and not really getting noticed and having to put in those hard yards, whereas Nketiah has spent his whole professional career at Arsenal. He's been in the side for five or six years. Uh, so in terms of that kind of element of their CV, I think they're sort of matched a uh, little bit. I think you're being quite harsh on Eddie Nketiah. I think you should just give him a chance. Just lay off him. Just give him, you know, give I, him I a mean, break. The, cyni- the, cynics, the cynics may say that... Oh, you're going again? Come yeah, on, yeah, the cynics may say yeah, that. Well, they England, yeah. England Southgate gave Nketiah that call-up because, you know, there's potentially a fight for his um, international future. Oh, wow. So you've under- undermined him further. <laughs> he didn't even deserve his England call-up. Well, he's a warm body. Oh, a warm body. <laughs> a warm body. That's your saying, of course. Yeah, yeah that's very, very true. No, I, I, oh, I hang like on a minute. Hold, hold fire there in terms of criticism of your str- of strikers. You described Dominic Calvert-Lewin as a warm no. body up front. <laughs> no, no, did you, no. Did you not? It was better. Oh, it was better. Okay, fine. But you did say that you yeah. can't rely on... Dominic Calvert-Lewin and all that sort of stuff. He said he's not said, he's not worth persisting <laughs> with. And then he goes and scores, you know, almost like a Pushkas award goal against against West Ham. So shows how much you know, quite Bush. frankly. Anyway, slander. moving on, just fade him down. Right. So let's go through uh, with our predictions. Um, Jacob, first up from you. One all, but I'm locking in a red card. It's been really testy the last two fixtures. Um, especially midfield, I think someone's going. Who? Who? Come on, be, perspe- be specific. Ooh, bit De- Declan Rice. Ooh. Declan Rice. Rice red. Come on then. Uh, I was also going to say one all, so I'm okay. still going to say Stick one all. Yeah, and, and for the narrative, just because, uh, Nketiah is going to score. Yeah, good. That's good. Nick? Uh, I think Newcastle will win. Uh, maybe it'll be close, but maybe 2-1. Two, 2-1. One. Two, one. We shall see. Right, next up for us, Spurs, welcome back. An old friend. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the Monday night football is Tottenham against Chelsea and it is a return for Maurizio Pochettino. Does anyone remember his last game in charge of Tottenham? I will throw it out to the to the crowd. I, I googled it earlier on. I'm, I'm no better than you. I'm just asking if you remember it. It was, must have been around this time. I can't remember who it was. It, around this time of year though. Yes. It was in November, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know who it was. It was 1-1 against Sheffield United. 1-1 yeah, against Sheffield United. Do you remember where you were? I mean, it's not quite JFK, but do you remember where you were when Pochettino was sacked and Mourinho, his replacement, was appointed? No. Uh, well, uh, no, Mourinho, I think, was appointed quite late at night, so I'm going to say I was in bed. Well, I might have got the timing slightly wrong with this, but I remember where I was when Pochettino got sacked. I was about to go on a postal run with the former Leeds United and Watford defender John McClelland who is now a postman it's classic early athletic pieces yes (laughs) it really was it really was I went it's actually it was actually quite good it was actually quite good it's still available for you to read in the uh, back catalogue so it's sort of gone south since Pochettino left Um, And it got very toxic under Antonio Conte last season. And now it's all shiny and happy under Ange. Um, What kind of reception, Bosch, do you think that Pochettino will get at Tottenham? I think he will get a mixed reception to be, you know, on the fence about it. I think a lot of Tottenham fans will remember the good times under Poch. I mean, he was really the head coach that kind of took them to the next level as it were the Champions League final that's something that Tottenham fans I think I, I don't think I'm being unfair that wouldn't have been dreaming about you know five years beforehand but and I know Pochettino he came to Southampton first in England before going to Tottenham but I think that was the club that kind of you know really uh, enriched his reputation worldwide uh, as a top level uh, football coach so I think he'll have he'll have good feelings going back but at the same time I think there were and probably still are a section of the Tottenham fan base that were unhappy that he chose to go to Chelsea, who are one of Tottenham's closest rivals um, after Arsenal. So I think there will be I think there will be cheers and there'll be boos. It's Monday night as well, so it's possible that one or two people at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium may have had a, a lager shandy or two, mm. and that may impact the kind of reception that Pochettino gets. Does Pochettino wear a Chelsea blazer? He varies do, between do, hang on a minute sorry I've just asked oh, maybe maybe that's a bit of a stupid question do, do any managers wear a blazer with their own badge or they don't do they certainly I'm thinking probably only Sean Dyche wears, wears a club tie nowadays yeah. uh, he, he wears current managers wear th- Poch wears a bit of he can be a bit club shoppy <laughs> in that you know he'll wear a track jacket and you know Klopp, Klopp is club shoppy yeah, isn't he yeah, yeah. he's oh, yeah, massively club shoppy he's Thomas like a, Frank's quite club shoppy as well who? Thomas Frank's quite club shoppy. Gary O'Neill, very, very club shopping. No, I don't. I, I wouldn't say he's club really? shopping. I'd say he's just sort of like standard player garms. So I don't it, think he's. 
in six months covering Newcastle, I never saw Eddie Howe wearing anything but black and white. It's like he's contractually obliged. He was only ever in club shop gear when he's on official duty. And then he went to open the Great North Run in boiling sunshine and was wearing an all black turtleneck and suit get up. Really? Yeah, wow. that, that, that man is either a secret goth <laughs> or just has absolutely no imagination when it comes to any sort of sartorial elegance. Um, okay, let's talk about Spurs because I wanted to gauge your opinions all three of you what side of the scale you're on so we know Tottenham top of the table eight wins out of ten 26 points from a possible 30 um last season interestingly they'd taken 23 points from a possible 30 and they were in third they found a way to win games some have been late some have been a little bit haphazard but they've got those wins where does each of you stand on that they are genuine contenders or it's all going to go to the proverbial very, very soon and they're going to fade away scale? Nick, I'll start with you. Uh, minor cop-out, but I think that, like the next few games might be a kind of a good sort of test of that because obviously the thing that people uh, kind of quite rightly said is that their their first eleven's very good and their squad might be a little bit thin. But they're going to have to. They, they 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 have played a couple of games without some of their key players. Um, the Basuma was missing for I think just maybe just one game, uh, which they won. Um, uh, Destiny Doggy was out and for the Crystal Palace game. I think he might be. Uh, I think he's sort of fifty fifty for this one as well. How they will cope without kind of key players is the thing that will probably decide. You know whether they're. They do kind of keep this up. Um, the other thing, I suppose, is that is is players. I don't know whether we might get to the the kind of over reliance on Madison and Son, but other players around those two. Why don't you get actually, into it now. Okay, fine. Brought it up. Get into it. <clears throat> uh, Richardson and uh, Kulusevski, either side of Son, haven't really contributed a huge amount tangibly. I mean, Richardson can't really score. Kulusevski seems to have stopped shooting. There's a few, been a few games where he's been he's had a I don't know really he's got the yips or he's some sort of crisis of confidence, but he's it doesn't seem to be even attempting shots at the moment, which is a little bit concerning. There is a, a piece out on the Athletic at the moment. It was a mailbag piece actually um, that uh, Charlie Eccleshare has done, and he talks about some of the uh, transfer plans for January and centre forward or someone out on the left potentially, uh, depending on what Ange Postecoglou and the new recruitment setup one at the club are likely to be the targets for for January uh, centre back as well potentially and just a little I'm going to blow my little trumpet if you don't mind there is a piece also which I wrote an interview with uh, Leonardo Gabanini who's the former chief scout and uh, stand-in sporting director uh, at Tottenham and he talks about some of the recruitment that they've done and the reasons for that Mickey van der Ven for example describes him as like Erling Haaland but a defender um, so yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one for you. Um, I hope anyway, uh, Luke. On on this sort of situation with how um, how far Spurs can go. Obviously, you're a, a massive Chelsea fan. Where do you stand? Do you, are you hopeful that they do well? <laughs> um, I actually, I mean, much like a lot of people on Twitter. I know uh, you're going to be lying. Now, whatever you yeah. say, but go on. Um, I actually do quite like. Ange Postecoglou, I think he comes it's across. Not to, he comes it? across so well yeah, like in every single yeah. interview presser that he does. He just, you just the sort of bloke that you'd love to just get a beer with, really. Um, but on Spurs, I've been really impressed with them um, this season so far. And even though they had 
relatively kind fixture schedule. I know they've played Arsenal, they've played Man United, who are Man United, so we don't count them. Uh, you, they are. And they beat Liverpool, albeit in somewhat controversial circumstances. You know, they're unbeaten after 10 games, and I think that's it's impossible to not put them in the you know, title conversation now. But as Nick kind of alluded to, you know, if they lose three on the bounce, then they probably won't be in that conversation anymore. So the next run of fixtures will be pretty crucial for them. But I think... I've we been... mentioned the next run of fi- yeah. fixtures. Shall I, shall I tell tell the listeners who, who maybe aren't aware what the next fixtures are? Yeah, you love fixtures. fixtures. You... I do love fixtures. It's sad, isn't it? Um, so obviously they're playing Chelsea on Monday. Then they go to Inform Wolves which will be interesting. Then they play in-form Aston Villa. And then they play always in-form Manchester City. Followed by West Ham, who hate them as well. And then they play Newcastle. So it's one hell of a run, actually. So you were right to point it out, Nick. And you were right to pick up the baton, Bosch. Um, Jacob, let's come to you. Uh, where do you stand on on Spurs? Uh, obviously, Bosch would stand on their on their faces where do you stand yeah well Bosch is a Chelsea Ranger who likes to live a you know a life of danger yeah so it's, it's quite a struggle to pick up on that um it's just kind of pick, picking up on also what Nick said earlier kind of about them dealing with the odd injury I think that's actually what I've been really impressed by kind of all the stuff we were hearing about Postacoglu before he came in was how he was always, if plan A isn't working, do plan A even better. And they've managed to straddle a really good line in games uh, where they have actually managed to adapt and be pragmatic without still losing those key fundamentals. And it's quite a difficult thing to do. And we're kind of seeing it a little bit with Man United at the moment, how sort of as soon as Ten Hag was tried to move away from his Ajax principles, it suddenly sort of became really, really uninspired football. And so far, Tottenham have been able to do that. Like, yes, of course, this will be a litmus test. I feel like we're talking a lot about litmus today. Um did, it, did anyone do a, a litmus <laughs> test yeah, yeah, yeah. at school? That's the blue yeah. one, isn't it? Is that the, 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 dipping, the dipping? Alkaline and yeah. uh, acidity tests, yeah. Good. As you were, carry on, Jacob. Sorry to interrupt. I think I pretty much ground your hope there. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm done. I'm out. He's, Jacob's walking out of the studio. That's cool. What, having done the litmus test, just drop, my, drop your little paper and away you go. That's what I did, and that's why I dropped chemistry after GCSE. They won't have me back. There you go. Perfect. Um, let's switch, because obviously you were, you were making a serious point there, that they have a clear identity, Tottenham. Let's switch over to the Chelsea side of things and pop over to Bosch Corner and find out whether Chelsea do have an identity at the moment. Do you think that they are sort of moving in the, in the right direction, continuing to sort of develop these young players and, and, and knit them together? Is there any sort of doubt in your ma- mind about Poch? No, no doubts. For me, I think the Brentford game was it was a really interesting one because their first goal kind of came a bit out of nothing. And then obviously the second goal is the second goal. Sanchez goes up, they score on the break, open goal. Funny goal though, wasn't so, it? Oh, I mean, very funny. Very um, funny. It needed like Benny Hill music, I yeah. think. Something like that. Um, but uh, Robert Sanchez, he's, he's quick, isn't he? Yeah. Really yeah. quick. Anyway, sorry, carry on. Um, but I think, and Pochettino was keen to emphasise after the game and to an extent I agree with him that Chelsea's results have been kind of up and down this season they've had some absolute stinkers uh, but they've had some very good ones as well drawing against Liverpool drawing against Arsenal and I think he's right in that the performances have been more consistent than the results and I think Chelsea have played well in a lot of games and that, that almost stems a little bit back 
to last season when Chelsea were, you know, the XG kings but couldn't find a goal to save their lives. I think Chelsea are building something, but because of, you know, the average age of their squad, you know, the, the relative lack of minutes that they've played together, I think it's always going to be a bit of a struggle and you know, you have to have a little bit of patience and you have to, you know, you have to accept that those young players are going to make mistakes and because, you know, they're 21, they're 19, 18, whatever. Do you want a stat on that? I'll give you a stat. Chelsea have given more minutes to players aged 21 or younger in the Premier League than any other side this season. That's 2,941. So that is a positive thing. But the stats on Chelsea this season, and they will want to see the back end of 2023 because it has been an awful year. Here are some of them. They've lost 15 Premier League games this year, only one fewer than they lost in the 2021 and 2022 years combined, which was 16. They've got eight points fewer than they did last season. And... Since Graham Potter was sacked, Chelsea have won the fewest games, only four, and accumulated the joint fewest points, 18, not including clubs relegated last season. So the only way is up, I suppose. And let's see if our predictions on this fixture reflect that optimistic view of how Chelsea are going to do against top of the table, flying high, Tottenham. Jacob, let's start with you. Your prediction. 2-0 Spurs. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, let's wait. Let's, le- let's leave Bosch to the end. Nick? Well, I was going to say 2-0 Spurs as well. Okay. So I could change it for the sake of variety. No, 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 no. You I'm going to stick with, with it. Yeah, go with I'm it. I'm going to stick with it. Okay. Yeah. 2-0 Spurs. 2-0 Spurs. And Bosch. I'm going to go 2-1 Spurs. Oh. After all that, moving in the right direction, yeah. Chelsea looking good, blah de blah blah they're still going to lose. You have to be realistic. Fair enough. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stresses, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash athletic football with no spaces. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So, Sunday, 4.30, everyone gets to see Kenilworth Road in all its glory once again. It is Luton hosting Liverpool. Um, Unfortunately for Luton, they slipped into the relegation zone last week after they uh, they lost to Aston Villa. Uh, Bournemouth beat Burnley. 
So the three promoted teams now take up all three of those relegation spots. Um, I want to work out two things now. I think we're all we're all sort of thinking that Sheffield United are definitely going down. They've got one point from 10 games. It is not looking good for them. Out of the two teams that are also in the relegation zone, Burnley and Luton, do we feel that Luton are the most likely to to stick their head above the the water and and, and survive at the end of the season, Nick? 100%. Yeah. I, I, Why? I don't, well, because because Burnley seem to be doing kind of the same things as they were doing last season, but yeah. with own, but uh, against much much better players, but with only slightly better players. So that there doesn't seem to be a huge amount of like appetite for changing things or being a little bit more pragmatic. And it's a it's a style of so football that when when it works, yeah. it's brilliant. But Premier League teams are very used to dealing with it and. They are they they you know they have dealt with it very well. Luton are, are slightly different. The, the, the quality of their players is probably slightly is probably slightly lower, but they have a style of play which um, teams maybe aren't so comfortable with uh, with kind of uh, facing. So I think from that I still think they'll it'll probably be the three that, that will go down. But I think Luton will be the closest to to staying up, and they're, they're, they've certainly. Uh, just from from that style of play, uh, I think we've, we've mentioned this before. They will, you know, take a few points off some uh, some teams as, as they could have already have done against Liverpool. Probably not, but uh, of the three of them, um, I definitely think they've got the best chance of uh, of staying up. Bosch, have you been to Kenilworth Road? I have. Did you both like as it? a supporter and a journalist? As a supporter of of Chelsea? No, as a supporter of Wickham Wanderers. Ah, okay. Back in the heady days when Luton were in League One. Going there as a sort of a well-heeled Premier League fan, now dropping into a stadium which is from like another era, another world. Some would say, if you were of a Watford persuasion, you would say it's from another planet. Um, how do you find it? Do you feel that it has the potential to become a bit more of a of a cauldron? Not especially. Um, is it not like I've is it there. not intimidating enough? Because I, from my point of view. I it's, haven't. I've only ever been there in in a very sort of hot atmosphere, which is Watford against Luton. From a from a Premier League point of view, you would think it is it is quite a primitive stadium. The fans are right on top of you. It should be a bit of a leveler, but I'm I'm confused as to why it hasn't been so far. Yeah, I think it's almost it's quite small. There's no. I think those kind of stadiums that can be a bit of a cauldron. You know, maybe you think about. Um, Upton Park back in the day, or you think about Goodison, they're, you know, relatively small stadiums, but they they have roofs that kind of go over and you feel like you're a bit, you know, compact. And, it, you know, the noise, that, that helps in terms of the um, the noise that the fans can create. And I'm, I don't really, I, I, haven't, I haven't really got that sense from Luton when I've been there. It's a bit more of a flat bottom saucepan or a wok than a cauldron. Yes, yeah, that's exactly it. That's right, a wok. Yeah. Or baking, like a baking dish. No, it's got stands. I mean, like it's not, you know, it's not non-league. I think baking dish is a bit harsh. There's a little bit of sides to it. It accepts like kind of Pyrex. Yeah. Pyrex jar. High-sided. Yeah. Lasagna, sort of. lasagna sort of thing you're yeah. cooking in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, one quick word. I wanted to mention the last episode of the Athletic Football Podcast. Um, it's a really good one, actually. I went into listening to it thinking, oh, should we be doing this one about managers getting sacked should you know all this sort of stuff 
and I listened to it. It was an absolute joy to listen to with Iowak and Waleri, uh, Dom Fifield, Duncan Alexander and Jay Harris just discussing why no manager in the Premier League as yet has been sacked. And for all of the managers that are employed in the Premier League, we hope that continues. Um, just a, a quick prediction on this one, very quickly. 3-1 to Liverpool, but Luton's taken early leads. Thank you. That was like Mystic Meg. Go on then, uh, Luke. Uh, I kind of agree with Nick. 3-0 to Liverpool. 3-0. Sticking with 3-0. Brilliant. Okay. Now, just a quick word on the big fixture in Europe this weekend. It is the Classica. It is Borussia Dortmund against Bayern Munich. Uh, the sides sit fourth and second, respectively, with Bayer Leverkusen still top of the table. There's only two points between uh, Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich at the moment. Uh, so just to give us the lowdown on the game, the Athletics German writer Seb Stafford Bloor. Here he is. Interesting game, but really interesting time for the game to take place too. On Wednesday night, Bayern Munich were beaten by Saarbrücken in the Pokal. So Saarbrücken are from the German third division. So that was an almighty shock and it's ratcheted up the pressure on Thomas Tuchel. During a season when actually Bayern haven't looked weak so much as they do fragile, systemically I mean, because one of the themes from the year has been the absence of a number six. Problem exacerbated by Joshua Kimmich's suspension. He was red-carded against Darmstadt last weekend, so he'll miss this game. But there are issues in other departments too. Like I think there's a lack of chemistry in the defence. doesn't quite have the balance you'd expect, particularly when facing teams who transition well. And in attack, whilst obviously, of course, they have some really world-class players, Leroy Sané has had a, a, a brilliant season, probably the best of his career, certainly since coming back to Germany. Harry Kane has been, volume-wise, very, very good, even if not quite the force that he was at Spurs. Jamal Musiala is fit again and, and having an impact. Manuel Neuer is, is back in goal, and that's a, that makes a huge difference for Bayern. But even though they're unbeaten, it hasn't been very comprehensive, hasn't been very overwhelming. So um, unbeaten, but with an asterisk. And I think you'd say probably the same about Dortmund because obviously Jude Bellingham's departure was going to hit them, hit them hard. And in his absence, they kind of tried to replace him through committee, brought in Marcel Sabitzer and Felix Nemecha. There are other sort of players who are stirring in the, the Dortmund lineup. Daniel Marlin started to play better. Karim Adeyemi is, is fit again and, and playing again. And Julian Brandt is fit again. Now, that's really, really important because I think um, what you've always had with Dortmund is these world-class players in small pockets and in all areas of the team. I'll say with, with Sancho long gone, Holland long gone, Bellingham freshly gone, Brandt is really the only world-class, certainly the world-class attacking player that Dortmund have and, and having him fit again and available is, is, a, is a huge deal. And so it, it, it adds up to a really compelling fixture because you have these two teams, clearly heavyweights, but at a time when they're imperfect and they have clear flaws that the other team could could potentially exploit. So, yeah, I absolutely can't wait. Yeah, and there'll be uh, continued coverage of the Bundesliga, all the big leagues in Europe on The Athletic, as always. Uh, just before we go, quick word on some of the other games. Um, we've spoken about Manchester United um, visiting Fulham. It feels like how long has Eric Ten Hag got, doesn't it? A little bit. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they are they have been sort of rel relatively reluctant to uh, sack managers before. Whether they could sort of afford to sack him, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not sure. There is um, he, he'll presumably be owed quite a lot of money if they wanted to get rid of him now. Um, I, I think there's probably 
a sense that he's he may be a problem but not the problem so you know um so yeah from a sort of rubbernecking how bad can this get perspective i suppose fulham united will be uh, one of the games to pay attention to this weekend um just a quick one on a quick prediction because we haven't done it how many goals are man city going to score against bournemouth do you think bosh i think they're going to score four four jacob seven let's go for a bit seven, of rasmus here Feels like a classic 5 0. A like, 5 0. Like a, a completely bloodless over by the 30th minute 5 0. Yeah, okay. And one other one I think is worth pointing out the Everton Brighton game is going to be really interesting because Everton seem to be building something under uh, Sean Dyche. Brighton are just sort of teetering a little bit with all these games. Obviously, they're still doing well. They're in seventh and they're, you know, a solid side, a really attractive side and all that sort of stuff. But it'd be interesting to see which way that one goes because if Everton could put together back-to-back wins, that would be a big boost for Dyche, wouldn't it? Yeah, massively. I mean, this is the first time that they've actually had a decently sustained run of success. I mean, win-loss, win-loss. I mean, that's a great piece. That's great run of form for Everton. That's mid-table yeah. form. <laughs> yeah. uh, this fixture gave me one of my great moments of joy of last season, oh, where, yeah. a te- where a terrible Everton team who really needed a win late in the season uh, were playing Brighton. And at that point, it seemed like walking to a buzzsaw kind of willingly. And I was... I was in Stockholm doing a piece on Alexander Isak and was stuck on an airport bus about two hours away from my destination after like 10 hours of travelling. This is very evocative. Managed managed to find a stream of it and yeah. kind of listened to this kind of complete through the looking glass moment of Everton looking like this really capable, stylish side dismantling Roberto De Zerbi, the man of the day, which means it invariably won't happen now and I'll get my comeuppance as soon as I have any sort of belief because that's how these things typically work. So yeah. I don't know if you're coming to me for a prediction, but I think I've sort of... Yeah, Spoil no, what no, I'm go going on, to let's do. Let's do it. Go on. How much? Only you. Oh, Everton nil, Brighton two. Fine. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Thank you very much, uh, Jacob. It's been great to have you on the show. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you. I'm glad I just haven't attracted your ire as a debutant on this occasion. I'm sure in future appearances I might be getting the Bosch treatment. But One appearance. Thank you for having me today. It's at least a, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. One appearance. It allows you to grow the thick skin of being in the hotbed. That is the Athletic Football Podcast Weekend Preview Studio. What a load of nonsense. Um, Bosch, once again, it's been a joy having you on the show. Are you going to come back? I think so, yeah. yeah. I think so. But I'll you be ar- I'll be armed. Armed? <laughs> well, armed more than you are in that snazzy sweater that you've yeah, got on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have personal insults for you galore. <laughs> yeah, fine. You can, I've got a thick skin. I've needed it. I've needed it. And Nick, it's been a lovely, lovely joy just to be alongside you once again. Thanks. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? Yeah. Thanks. Lovely. Cheers. Right. Uh, Io is going to be back with you on Monday. I will be back at it again for another weekend preview next Friday. You can sign up to The Athletic right now for just one ninety nine a month in either pounds or dollars uh, for an entire year at theathletic.com forward slash football pod. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening. The Athletic.